Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 25 of Renar Voice. My name is Robert Swatala. I'm one of the co-hosts for Renar Voice. And with me is my co-host, Jeff Mazone. How are you, Jeff? What's going on, Robert? Hey, I was thinking, so actually somebody asked me the other day that listens, and they're not a Liberty student. They're a, a, actually a, a friend of mine. Wow. What Renar means. And I realized that we don't really say where that kind of comes from and where what it is. And I thought maybe for our listeners that are just kind of joining us, now that we are on episode 25, what RENAR stands for? Can you share that? Yeah, so RENAR is Rho, Eta, Nu, Alpha, Rho, which is the name of our chapter of Chi Sigma Iota. And the Rho, Eta, Nu, Alpha, Rho is named after Ronald Hawkins, the founder of our program, and then the rest of it is North Atlantic region. So RENAR yeah. in Greek. There you go. Speaking yeah. of speaking of Greek, um, so you know that my wife and I, mostly my wife, homeschools our kids, which are aged five and two. Right. And uh, this morning, before I, I haven't really accomplished anything today, just preparing for this podcast. Other than that, but my wife so far has gone through Latin class, Greek class, Spanish class, science class, math class, and phonics class with my five year old. And- and for the record, listeners, it's ten fourteen East Coast time yeah, yeah. right now. So it's like, I'm just and Jeff coffee. got dressed. I just, I did. I got dressed like thirty minutes that, ago. That was the I'm accomplishment, like, right? I've been up since five a.m. And uh, what have I and my wife? And then yesterday, my five year old was teaching my two year old Spanish. Yeah, it's probably like, a good where thing am you, I? It's probably a good thing you're doing the podcast right now. So. Holy moly. I'm, well, God. anyway, you know, don't, don't sell yourself short. I mean, you, you, you bring a lot to the table here, you know, I mean, we learned last episode, your, um, knowledge of brain anatomy. So is, is fascinatingly it is, inaccurate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And for those that might just be joining us and please go back and listen to the beginning of episode 24 and you'll, when you'll I was get talking about the Amadala part yes. of the brain as opposed to the amygdala. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, uh, always, always a joy. Let's let's get started. And the reason I mentioned <laughs> Renar is because you know we all within that organization and each chapter has a CFA, and we have a connection uh, with a Roeda um, CFA today. Um, so, Jeff, could you introduce our guest for today? Right. And so, since we got all these acronyms going, especially in an episode about EMDR, uh, CFA is a chapter faculty advisor. Every yes. chapter of CSI has professors that kind of run the show. So today we have Dr. Deborah Brayboy, who is a faculty advisor for another of the online chapters at Liberty. And she is a licensed professional counselor and supervisor in Arkansas and Oklahoma and has been for almost 20 years. And she's an assistant professor at Liberty University. Her clinical expertise includes owning a private practice with 14 other counselors and seeing clients primarily with trauma and or grief and loss experiences with whom she regularly uses EMDR. Most recently, she has been providing counseling and life coaching with female physicians following the pandemic and has been employing EMDR to help them process their experiences. Because of her journey as a young widow herself, she has used her story to help others in the journey of grief and loss. She's been married for 22 years to her husband, Keith, who's also a widower, and they have three adult children and three grandchildren. So, Dr. Burboy, thank you so much for being here. You are very welcome. Oh, it's my pleasure. And we're really excited to get into this topic, um, me in particular, because I'm going to be doing EMDR training certification in October. 
Um, Great. And I've been a little skeptical about it uh, until I began working with a supervisor who himself is a trainer, and now I get it. So I'm really pumped <laughs> uh, and excited, but also for the purposes of this episode, like this is something that we need to talk about more. We just kind of read about it here and there and in class. And now, of course, the Oprah Winfrey, uh, Prince Harry thing, you know, what's that? On? <laughs> it's like, okay, yes. this, this isn't a pop culture phenomenon. This is actually something legit. Uh, yeah. So we're really happy to have you here. So thank you. Can we just get right into it? Is that okay? Can you walk us through what is this? How does it work? What does it stand for? The theory, the process, the technique, just just lay it out for us, please. Okay. Yeah. I well, I like you. I I was I'm always a little bit skeptical. <laughs> so it was kind of like, oh yeah, follow my fingers, you know, for a long time. Um I've only really been trained since the beginning of the pandemic myself, but I did the training and then I jumped into getting the certification. And I, you know, I've done a lot of trainings in 20 years of practicing, but um, I haven't actually followed through and got certified in, in any others, even though I've got fully trained in EFT. And I think that's a great model. I just don't work as much with couples. And so I do a lot of work with people that have trauma. Um, and then in doing EMDR, I really learned also that you can, it doesn't have to necessarily be capital T trauma. And when you do your training, you'll kind of learn about that. They kind of call some things capital T trauma and other things are lesser traumas, but no less traumatic. Um, so it's really been useful for a lot of different uh, things that I really never considered. Um, but anyways, I'll kind of get into it. So EMDR stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. And it was created by Francine Shapiro back in, I think, the 80s, maybe mid to late 80s. Um, and she just kind of discovered on a walk one day that as she was kind of scanning her path in front of her, that her distress level decreased. And that's really kind of the foundation of EMDR. And then she did some studies and um, the theory kind of grew from there. Um, it's, it's a model that uses um, eight phases, but it's really not that complicated. Like the first phase is history taking, kind of finding out where the client's been. Um, and then it just goes through helping them create some coping skills and and then you kind of get into the model where you identify the target memory um you identify a negative cognition or a negative belief they have about themselves as they think back as they now think back to that memory and a lot of times that negative cognition is that you know i'm a failure or i'm not good enough or i'm not lovable or something like that and then what happens is if it's an earlier childhood memory that negative cognition, they can kind of go through their life and recognize that cognition was confirmed in many other instances. So it like got planted there, the roots, but the roots go deep because then that negative cognition, they have ridden to the present till now, honestly. So um, I kind of look at it like this, um, and that's kind of how I explain it to my clients. And you know, I um, last summer I was walking outside around a pool and I hit my foot on a tree stump 
And, you know, whenever I, to this day, walk near that tree stump, my body goes, ooh, <laughs> that hurt me. You know, so I have this like visceral response. I have this physical response and this emotional response. And, and that's how we are with trauma. And that's a little t trauma. You know, that's not like combat or domestic violence or sexual abuse or, or abuse as a child or neglect or something. But, you know, we have this response and then and, and there's this trigger to it. And that's just kind of what happens. And and until we process these events with clients, it's locked in there. Like it doesn't it doesn't ever get removed from their their nervous system. So EMDR uses bilateral stimulation, and it, it started with fingers kind of moving across. And it's we know like with people with epilepsy and things, we don't want to be stimulating them that way. So they use tapping which you alluded to this um, Oprah and Prince Harry thing, and he kind of does the tapping. Um, there are what they call tappers, which clients can hold in their hand. We have light bars that can go across or they can just tap on their legs, things like that. So it's just this bilateral stimulation, left, right side of the brain. Um, a lot of times we use sound also, so they also hear it. And in doing the bilateral stimulation, as they hold together in their mind the target event and that negative belief, we then it then allows their brain to kind of reprocess that event. Um, and so when that happens, they're reprocessing it now. So a lot of times it's an earlier event, like whether it's um, combat or sexual abuse or even a childhood you know now they have different processing and one thing that's different about emdr when you're doing talk therapy the clinician interjects and helps the client kind of unpack things emdr it's all on the client it's their unpacking it's insights that they have the clinician doesn't insert anything we just ask what they're noticing and their brain goes where their brain needs to go for healing. And it's just been amazing as I've watched some clients that I've worked with in talk therapy for years. And in a few sessions of EMDR, they're like, I've never thought I could get here. And it just releases that trauma from their body. It's like it's locked in there and until it's kind of released. And that's what the bilateral stimulation helps it to do. It's kind of a real simplistic explanation, but I think you get the idea. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Thank you. And Robert and I are both in internship right now. So we've been seeing clients for a number of months. And, you know, one thing I'm beginning to see is just like, well, beginning to see, but also a challenge is, you know, how do we present to a client like, okay, you've got these memories. We're not just going to sit here and talk about them um, and then rehash them and then, okay, see you in a week. Like there's, there's more to this than just talking about painful memories. And it seems like that's where the EMDR kind of fits in. Can you, can you walk us through just a little bit like, okay, you have the, the, the brain actual processing through the bilateral stimulation, but then you also have kind of the sensory emotional experience of the story. It seems like both of those fit in to kind of processing the trauma. Is that right? And if so, can you just walk us through a little bit about how that works, why it works and how it's effective? I don't know why it works. <laughs> I, I don't know that they know why it works. Some really smart people in Stanford are studying that. <laughs> so 
it's that brain thing you kind of talked about. <laughs> so, um, I, yeah, and a lot of the like the people that I trained under, even um, like they're they're like I don't know why it works, but we just know that it it does. I know um, they're when they're processing this, they make a shift from feeling shame and disgust if they're if they've done something or like I've, I had one client, she was a rape victim. She was 14 and she ha she had come to a belief in other counseling and her counselor was good and effective. It was talk therapy. And she was like, you know, I'm a good person, you know, but she still had this. She had attributed this negative cognition that she you know, and people don't talk about that. Like they, but it was like, I, I, I mean, her negative cognition was, I'm just, I'm an idiot. Like I am an idiot and, and I am not smart. I knew not to go to that party. Even so as a counselor doing talk therapy, you're like, okay, your parents were addicts. You raised yourself. You did the best you could. Like, look at how far you've come. You're in a great relationship now, married, you've got a wonderful family. So a therapist really helped her, you know, and she got to a fairly good place. She was mentally well, we would say. However, doing EMDR with her, and, and that's why I saw her, was she still believed she was an idiot and couldn't make good decisions because this negative cognition tied to that rape, I should not have gone to that party. So as we did EMDR, she was like, it wasn't my fault. I mean, at some point, and sometimes when they're doing EMDR, sights and smells and things come up. I mean, the brain just is amazing. And I remember her saying, I can smell the alcohol on his breath. Like, you know, but it was like, this, this wasn't my fault. And I'm like, you know, and as a therapist who's done talk therapy for years, you want to go, it wasn't your fault, but you just say, notice that. And you just let the brain keep doing what it needs to do because the power is within her. And as Christians, we know the power is with her in her. And this one, this client is a believer also. And so um, I know, I know God is going to heal her. He's going to allow that. And we just let that unfold. And it's really a beautiful thing to see as a believer. Um, I mean, God's created our bodies. He's created our brain. And he doesn't want her to feel that way about herself, you know. But, I mean, she went from this place of shame and disgust to believing I survived it and I am strong. And the and it's like the brain released that negative cognition. The thing about EMDR, one of the later phases, I think it's a phase five or six, once you've processed it and done the desensitization, you desensitize that negative belief to that event, you then reprocess that event with a positive belief. What do they want to believe about themselves when they think about that memory instead? And it could be, I am strong, or I am smart, or I am good enough. And then you you do EMDR over that to kind of cement those together. Um, and so that's why it's kind of important to go through all of the eight phases. I mean, those eight phases, it's like cutting off your antibiotics halfway through. You know, you don't want to do that. You want to get all the way through. So you cement that positive belief with that, with that event. The other thing, too, that I love about EMDR, one of my physicians I've worked with, 
um, when I had her do some trauma history, she had a laundry list of things. And she's like, are we going to have to do EMDR on all of these? And um, the truth is no. Um, the brain will cluster them together, some of them together. Um, like I said, the brain is an amazing tool. And some of the things after we did her, her primary um, incident, which was a childhood um, beating, and she felt she was helpless. And that's another thing. Sometimes they start off with one negative belief like, um, I'm not good enough. Um, I'm a bad kid. I'm a bad person. And then after we've processed it, I'll say, does that negative belief still fit? And it was like, no. My The negative belief really was more I'm helpless. And she saw that theme all the way to present time, some incidences that had. And so the thing is, once we've kind of cleared that, it's almost like cleared it from her, her, her body. Some of these other incidents on her list, they didn't bother her anymore. Like there, there was no trauma to it. It was, she was like, I can cross this one off. I can cross this one off. I can, it was like amazing. We ended up with maybe four when she started off with, oh, I don't know, 20. So it was kind of crazy how, because she didn't have that, I'm not helpless. Like I have some power. I have, I, I have power within me. I, I can, I do have discernment. I can, you know, and so that's one of the amazing things too about it is even though you've targeted one memory, it kind of sometimes will apply to others because this cognition that's attached is kind of what we're targeting more than even that memory. Dr. Brayboy, you mentioned trauma, and I think that's what most people link EMDR to is, is trauma. But as you were talking, you also mentioned those negative cognitions. And, and I think I think that can be related to a numerous amount of things, anxiety, depression, and, and on and on and on. And so I'm wondering, you know, is EMDR just something for trauma or is it larger than that when we're dealing with that negative cogn cognitions? And, and on the flip side, are there things that EMDR shouldn't be used to, or you wouldn't recommend EMDR being used for? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that question. Um, not so much the second part, because I have to think about that one. But the first part I can I can jump in on. Um, yes, anxiety, absolutely. Depression, absolutely. Grief. I mean, I didn't realize you could just use it with grief. Um, but yeah, there are so many things. You think of like social anxiety or just things that trigger. And so, so tech, especially anxiety, when I think of that, a lot of people have a negative cognition they attach to, to an event. So you want them to identify a target memory, an, an event, negative, that negative cognition they've attached to it. And then you, you go from there, you know, you do. Now, the thing is, this is their processing. Like, unlike like I said, unlike talk therapy, where so much of it was clinician driven, um, this is just it's this is very client client driven. I mean, the client, the therapist directs the bilateral stimulation, but the client is the one that has the insights and awareness. But you can you can definitely use it with anxiety, um, depression, um, PTSD, of course. Um, 
even I'm trying to think, I'm trying to kind of go through my DSM in my head, you know, or, or clients that I work with. Um, children that have behavioral issues at school, because oftentimes there's an event that happened and they attached a negative belief about it. ADHD, um, I've used it with clients that have that. When I think about populations not to use it with, I'm not the expert on it. Let me just throw that out there. I've never used it on somebody with like developmental disability, but I don't know that you can't use it for folks like that. I know they use it with children. And um, I did my training under Dr. Christine Sprouls. She's in Austin. She's amazing. Um, and she was one of the original eight that trained under Francine Shapiro. But she gives an example of a colleague of hers that used it with an infant, like a newborn infant. Um, and she went into the hospital. Uh, this is back when you could do that. <laughs> Um, but the it was a traumatic birth and the baby was kind of inconsolable and the nurses let her, she was allowed to get in. This is 30 years ago. Um, but she held the baby's feet and did bilateral stimulation on the baby's feet and just said, oh, those mean nurses. Oh, poor baby. And she's doing the bilateral stimulation and the baby soothed. The baby was soothed and calmed down doing the bilateral stimulation on the baby's feet. And she said it was just amazing. Um, so there are people that, um, and they've adapted it, of course, in, in different ways to use it with um, children. Um, I did all my training when we were doing telehealth. So I use a website called Remote EMDR, and there's others, Active EMDR, where I have a client log in and I do my EMDR virtually. I don't even do it. Um, I have done it in the office, but rarely. I usually do mine virtually. So I know that they even do it with people that have DID. Dr. Bird, we were we were going to ask you just about some stories about how you've seen it work well, but it seems like you've you've covered some of those already. Um, maybe just as a as a final question, because I mean you've been doing this for twenty years, and so in your kind of horizon of doing this work, what made you switch to wanting to learn EMDR, wanting to use it with a population in theory that you've been seeing for 20 years? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I, so I own a practice and I've got several other clinicians there and a couple of them are trained in EMDR. Um, I had some clients that I thought were stuck um, so I would see them for talk therapy and they would see like Jason in my office for EMDR. So he would do EMDR and I would see them later in the week and we kind of process what their EMDR was like. And, the, and I just saw some amazing change. Um, and these were clients I'd seen for a while. Um, some clients were just stuck. In, with depression and anxiety and going nowhere. And I was like, we've got to try something. Um, I tried referring them to another therapist. They're like, you know everything. I don't want to start over again. Okay. So um, that was my first my first thing. Another client I had, and she was, I would say, mentally well. And I, I'd gotten to where I'd see her like once a month, just kind of a checkup. Um, but she had... Um, sexual abuse as a child she 
And like I said before, we kind of, she got to a good place about it, but it was still, it was still like there, you know, it was just there. Um, and we've done all we could do processing at White's Talk Therapy. And so she's not one I referred, but um, she's one I've done EMDR with since I've been trained. Um, but I, I just saw with one client who went to um, Jason for EMDR, she hated her father. Her dad had molested her. She hated him. She, he died with her hating him. And it was grief. It, it was grief over the loss of the childhood. We processed that. It was grief over the loss of her innocence. We processed that. We, we, pro we did all the grief kind of work we could do. She went to Jason and in the first EMDR session, halfway through, she lost it and broke down. And she said, my dad didn't do it. We were like, what? <laughs> Her brother had done it. Well, we had a lot more processing to do then because she hated her dad. And her brother was still alive. And she had all these years of hating. But it unlocked it. And it was like, I don't think, I don't think without EMDR it would have gotten unlocked. And she is she is doing so great now, and I think EMDR is the key. I, I, I just truly, I don't think we would have ever gotten there without the bilateral stimulation, the brain doing what the brain needed to do. We wouldn't have known that, you know, um, and we did so much. I'm really good. I know it's hard to believe with me talking like this, but I'm really good at sitting in silence with clients and just letting the Holy Spirit work. And we had done that. And I just think this was just a tool that, you know, unlocked it. I've got another client who had early childhood memory. Like I said, we worked for years and she just felt like a, a dirty, but she had some insight and realizations and self-awareness doing EMDR. And she said, and she's in a graduate program for counseling right now. She said, I would have never gotten here without EMDR. I mean, we've talked through all this stuff. And I'm like, I know. Isn't this crazy? So I just saw the potential. I saw the benefits. Not just the potential, the reality, actually. And I just said, I've got to get involved in that. I've, I've got to be able to offer that directly with my clients. I wanted to be able to do that. And so that's why I went ahead and got trained and then the certification for it. I, I just see it's making a huge difference. Um, this year, I've been using it with my my doctors in the pandemic, you know, their hospitals are full, their beds are full, their cases are full, they're maxed out, they're, and we're doing EMDR because they don't feel like they're doing enough. They don't feel like, you know, and so it's, it's just been a great resource. Dr. Brayboy, you've obviously seen the results of it, but there are individuals out there that have some criticism and skepticism, TMDR, uh, terms like it's a, it's a pseudoscience or the effectiveness or the theoretic, theoretical basis is not proven. Um, and, and it's maybe not, not necessarily proven, but the, the eye movement component is irrelevant to the results. Right. Um, can you just share maybe, obviously you, you've used it, you've seen it. 
what can you say to those that may be kind of skeptic of of using an EMDR? Well, I, I was like that. <laughs> so I, I totally can understand that. I know Harvard's done some studies. Stanford is doing some research now. I know, um, you know, there's been studies by HMOs, uh, Kaiser Permanente, you know, so I know there's actually research out there that has shown, um, you know, like 77, 80% reduction in um, trauma victims, 100% of, of reduction when there's been a single trauma incident, but even when there's complex trauma, like 77, 80% of veterans, um, the VA uses it. Um, and so it's even been accepted now by the APA, the World Health Organization, Department of Defense. So those folks don't buy into things lightly. I did use it with a veteran and his migraines went down from five nights a week to once a week. He's real slow to buy into it because the truth is PTSD becomes part of who they are and they're real slow to change. So he's one I'm working with currently. Um, but he was shocked after one EMDR session, one, his migraines went from five days to one day a week. So he's like thrilled. And truthfully, he's like, okay, that's good enough. And I'm like, don't you want, <laughs> let's look at these other triggers. And, but right now we're talking and we'll see, and I won't push it. He knows. So we'll see. Um, so there's skeptics out there in the field, and there's also skeptics out there with clients. Um, because honestly, like I said, for so many clients, their issues are so much a part of who they are, it's hard to give that up. It's really hard to give that up. So you'll find when you're doing it, I know Jeff, you're gonna do the training, you'll find some clients are a little reluctant. And it's like, oh, I am okay, okay. I'm it's here if you want, if you if you'd like to try it. Um, cause it can be a mo it, I can't, I won't say it can be, it's, it is after an EMDR session, clients are exhausted. They, I mean, they've done all the work, you know, um, but it's brought things up and I tell them too. Um, the funny thing is when I did my training, my trainers in Austin, she would say, it's like, you get on a train in Austin going to Amarillo. Well, my doctors were like, I don't want to go to Amarillo. So we say, you're on a cruise ship going from the port of LA to Hawaii. And we get out of the port during the session. But what happens is the, the cruise is still cruising, you know? And so there's a lot of water <laughs> that they've gone over until we see them again. Sometimes they come back to the next session and they're like worlds, worlds apart. I mean, which is great because and I tell them at the end of the session, your brain is it's going to keep going like it doesn't just stop now. Um, sometimes if we've done something traumatic, um, they'll have some nightmares because it stirred some stuff up. So I, I kind of warn them of that, too. But um, I, I'm. I'm a believer now, and I wasn't before. I was I was skeptical myself. <laughs> I, I think that's great. So my supervisor, as I said before, he, so he's a clinical psychologist, and he's a trainer, and he's well known in the area as like the Catholic guy that does EMDR, and and I share his office, so he'll be seeing a client before me, and and I'll walk in, and he hasn't like cleaned up, and I see all this apparatus everywhere. I'm like, what were you doing in here? 
yeah. <laughs> what is this place? Yeah. It's got like the sound equipment and headphones and all these things. I kind of get a little freaked out, you know, but now I'm starting to understand yeah. like the bilateral stimulation and everything else. And, um, yeah, you know, it's great. It's great hearing you unpack it, especially when you mentioned just breaking down uh, guilt and shame. And those experiences just seem to be so common, especially with the clients that I'm seeing. Um, so just anything that can help. It sounds like this is a real holistic mm -hmm. approach. Uh, we're, we're talking the brain, we're talking sensory experience, emotion, just all of it. Just, this sounds like a real spirit, soul, body approach to, to healing. Uh, so we're so asking them to, to hold in mind the, the memory, that negative cognition, and then body sensations they may be feeling. Like, where do they feel it in their body? So it's, it is really holistic. Um, and then at the end too, one of the, I think the seventh, we're doing a body scan. Is there anything in your body that you're feeling right now too, just to help them really release it? Yeah, that's, that's a great, great ending to it. And, you know, thank you for your passion. Thank you for just sharing a little bit. It's something that, that for me personally, I haven't had a lot of exposure to. You know, I, I see I see the effectiveness and what you've experienced, which certainly intrigues intrigues my uh, curiosity and to learn more about it. So thank you for sharing that. And I hope I, our listeners as well, um, because I know that there's a lot of opportunities for students and other professionals that are listening to become involved in EMDR. So thank you for spending some time with us today and just sharing from your own experience. Yeah, you're welcome. I was one of them that really believed so much healing happens in that therapeutic relationship like you you know validating and just sitting in in that pain with them and i still believe that wholeheartedly but this has just been a tool that um i have really seen unlock some pain that just couldn't get we couldn't get to you know until i had that resource so thank you for allowing me on here today with you guys it's been yeah, it's, yeah <laughs> thank you. It's been a privilege and honor to, to sit with you. Jeff, I want to thank you for for getting up and being productive today and, and uh, at least participating <laughs> in the podcast with us today. All right. Kudos. Uh, you get a sticker for today. Thanks, man. I'm yeah, always, yeah. I was always the gold star <laughs> guy. So we got uh, a couple episodes coming up. Um, I think we have a double guest episode next. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, so Dr. Crook and Dr. Stephanie Ford uh, will be joining us to talk about spirituality, mental health and the African-American community. So that's going to be uh, that's going to be intense. And that's a real follow up to the Dr. Tyree episode that we had. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be great. So. Well, thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Dr. Brayboy. I want to thank you, everybody, for spending some time and listening. And I, and I hope and wish that you all have a blessed day.